This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 25th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. The movement of immigrants into Scandinavian countries has revealed some problems in those countries' labor markets and welfare policies. Hanna-Marie Björkland is a columnist in Sweden. We discuss the ways Sweden uses welfare and labor market regulation to the detriment of social cohesion and assimilating immigrants. How hard is it to get a job in Sweden? It's not hard if you're well-educated, born in Sweden, and uh, like look and talk nice. Then it's not that hard. Actually, Sweden has a very low uh, unemployment rate among like educated, uh, born in Sweden. All right. So, uh, what what makes it easy for them and more difficult for other people? Since we have really high, low salaries. I mean, first of all, Sweden doesn't have a like. first salary like in the law we have we only have uh, salaries that goes between the unions and the companies that we're always negotiating the salaries so there's no politicians deciding what's the salary is going to be or not Uh, but still in fact we do have really high first salaries which means that if you don't have proper education like if you haven't been to the uh, part of school which is between from your 16 17 till your 18 19 Uh, which is called gymnasium in Sweden. If you haven't gone to that school, then it's really hard for you to get a first job because people more or less demand that you do this because otherwise they see us untrustworthy and stuff like that. Because they have to justify the high salary. Exactly. So, And also if if they don't trust that you're productive enough for this high salary, first high salary, because it's really hard in Sweden to employ anyone for under about 20,000 Swedish in total, uh, which means it's taxes and the salary part. So if you're not productive enough to work for 20,000 a month, which is about oh, to maybe 250 US, I think, something like that. Um, That's considerable. Yeah, it is. Uh, you can work like part-time, stuff like that. But if you're going to have like a full-time job, that's, it's very hard to get under that like, amount of money, which means that you have to be productive enough to be able to live up to that. So uh, that's why it's really hard for someone that dropped out of school when you were a teenager or maybe have some former problem with the, the law or something like that, then you're not considered trustworthy enough for this. So that's why it's really hard to get a first job. So if you're well-educated and uh, made, all, made all the right choices, as yeah. they, people like to say, um, it's easy to get a job. So what about everyone else uh, and... Uh, What happens to them? Yeah, well, the problem is that we have a lot of people, not a lot, but you have like some very specific groups and minority groups, like mostly young men who dropped out of school and had drug problems in the past, or young men with like ADD or that kind of diagnose, uh, immigrants, uh, people who are have been sick for a couple of years. Uh, those are really high unemployment rates. Actually, when you compare the two, Uh, the unemployment rate in Sweden is generally 7%. But if you split it until foreign born and born in Sweden, then the foreign born is 15%. And the people born in Sweden is above 4%, which is actually about the same as in the uh, United States. So then you have like actually really low unemployment rate. But that's the problem, that some groups is outside. And then the only way is to live on like government support, which many do. And in the 90s crisis, there was actually, the government had this like a system that you would just, if you have mostly like these small villages out on the countryside, have had a mine or something like that before, 
now the mine is gone bust and everything's closed. And then there were a lot of people who were kind of old and didn't want to get a new education and the government didn't know how to get them into a new job. So many people were just like signed off as permanently sick, which is maybe like a back pain or just find some excuse to just write them out of the system. So what role do immigrants play in uh, the labor market there? there? Some of those countries have restrictions on how uh, immigrants are able to access the job market. Uh, but what is what are the specific rules in Sweden? Uh, so the specific rules in Sweden is that when you come to Sweden, you first uh, apply for an asylum or you can also apply for a for course of work visa, but that's a little bit different process. But mostly now the, qu- the question is about everyone is coming and applying for asylum. And from the when you have applied, there is a long waiting out time before you can get your decision can stay or if you have to leave again. And right now, since we have so many people came in last uh, fall, I mean, there was about 160,000 people in a couple of months last year which is a lot. Um, I don't think we ever had that many before coming to Sweden. So now we're up in over a year in waiting time to get a decision if you can get asylum or not. And during this time, you're not allowed to work at all. Actually, if someone employs you while you're in your asylum process, that person can go to jail for that. It's a crime to employ an immigrant. So it's really like now they're trying to make some uh, very sp- special s- s- uh, new forms of unemployment, which are supposed to be able to get go to immigrants, so that someone is going to be able to work while they wait. But it's only like twenty people or something who had this chance so far. So it's actually really hard. So mostly everyone has to wait this time before they can start work. Is there a belief in Sweden that something has to change? That is, you have a, a, a great number of people who are coming into the country who look different from the, the people who are native-born and are prohibited from working and collect some amount of money from the government while they're waiting for their uh, applications to be processed. Is there some sense that that needs to change? I think there are. but. People realize that it, it needs to change because everyone is a bit worried what's going to happen to these people. They only go and they have no can't support themselves, and people get frustrated. And this is a security issue, and and it's not good for the welfare state because it costs a lot of money to take care of all these people, and they're not able to work. But the thing is that if you're going to change that, then you have to go change a lot of other things, like our salaries and maybe the system for working shorter time, which is regulated in Sweden. You're not allowed to employ someone just for short amounts of time. Um, And people want to have immigrants working, but they don't want to change the system. So this is the big problem and issue right now in Sweden, that some people say, okay, we do want immigration, but we don't want to change our systems. And the thing is, our system is not constructed for immigration, really not. They're constructed for like maybe taking in a couple of hundred people a year. Then it works with the welfare state, with the regulated labor market. But now that we have a totally new situation in a globalized world and a globalized market, our system really doesn't work anymore. And I think most people refuse to acknowledge that. So in some ways, they, in order for us Swedes to accommodate this influx of immigration, we have to make our employment a little less secure? Exactly. So uh, then that's the, that's, you say that's the, the main tension right now. Yeah. 
So what do you propose? Uh, I would like to less <laughs> make the employment more less secure. But I, I think that's an issue that goes beyond immigration because it's not only because immigration that we have to look over these issues. Because, I mean, we had the same situation, as I said, in the 90s, when we have a lot of people who got unemployed out in the countryside. Uh, we didn't do anything then, but we did cost us a lot of money and it wasn't a good situation to be in. And it's going to keep coming up these kind of situations. And I mean, we do have a global market. We do have a global economy. We're not going to be able to quit from that, especially since we're such a small country. We need to be uh, on the global market. And then you have to do something. I mean, immigrants or not immigrants, you can't keep this extremely regulated labor market forever. In watching uh, the United States from Sweden, uh, what what uh, can you say about how the United States has dealt with its uh, immigration issues? I think that the United, if you go back to like more than 100 years ago, I think they had the perfect answer to the fact that they had such a huge immigration. Because, I mean, I think it was between uh, 1910 and 1920, I think there was coming like 4 million people into the New York, uh, city of New York. And how how do you make that? How do you like integrate 4 million people in like 10 years. That's a crazy amount of people. Well, the thing is, the answer is that you just say to everyone, you're welcome to come here, but now when you're here, you have to support yourselves. So welcome, but find your own job. And that's how you deal with it. I mean, it wasn't nice all the time, but it worked like in the long run. So uh, you, you suggest that uh, Sweden should adopt the U.S. model of 100 years ago? I think that Sweden should be inspired by the U.S. model. I mean, it's, it's, Sweden is a hard country to reform because we really like, we love our systems and we really like the way it is. But I think, I hope that most people will realize that we have to start deregulate some things. And one good way to start, I think, is not to lower people's salaries because like the unions are really aggressive in Sweden and they have this really aggressive uh, opinion campaign where they say like all oh, the right wing want to take away your salary like it's about lowering an existing working salary and it's that's not the thing you have to have new jobs with new salaries jobs that just don't exist today actually um or are freelance jobs matter of fact um and but i think a good way to get around this problem with the unions because they're just going to block everything otherwise because they have really good contacts with the biggest party in sweden uh, is to say that we're not going to lower the salary part, we're going to lower the tax part. Because when you pay, like for, if I have a uh, business in Sweden and I pay, pay salary, then I first pay the salary and then I also pay the state tax on the salary. Uh, and if, I mean, you could lower that cost, it will be still be much cheaper for me as a businessman to employ someone, but I won't lower that person's salary. Do people make, and I, I believe you've made this argument before, but uh, in Sweden, do people make the argument related to taxes? Do they say we should lower taxes for moral reasons? No, <laughs> more or I less mean, you make not. that argument. I do, but not many other people do. I'm afraid that's a really small, really small percentage of Swedes that actually agree with that. Because we usually think that high taxes are good, are, are moral. So, so when you argue for reducing taxes, you're also necessarily arguing for reducing expenditure. Yeah, exactly. Of course, that has to be. And do you think that's a trade-off the average Swede is willing to make? Uh, that's a very good question. I don't know if the average Swede are willing to make that trade-off. But I think 
there are some areas where you can start negotiate because I think Swedes realize themselves that some costs have just gone over the roof and we could do this more efficiency, more efi- efficient. And if we could trade a little bit lower taxes, which can mean that more people can get a job for some parts of the welfare state that we may not need the same way anymore, then I think that is a way to start at least. Anna-Marie Bjorklund is a writer in Sweden. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.